Okay, welcome everyone to this bonus episode of the podcast Pour the Tea, Will You? I'm joined today by Alexia, the author of Fearless Birthing and the creator of the Fearless Birthing Approach to Childbirth. This is a wonderful opportunity to hear from her and I hope you'll enjoy um, learning about her story and what's brought her to this place in her life. So hi Alexia, how are you? Hi Leslie, thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to have this chat. So tell us, tell us what's brought you on this journey because it's quite fascinating to me. Yeah, well I was, um, I was never wanted to be pregnant, although I thought deep down I might want to be a mum. I imagined myself with two kids, two boys, but I never would, could imagine the path that needed, that I needed to take to get there. And the way I describe it is like I could, I was standing on one side of the river and I could see the other side of the river. I could see, yeah, I can imagine being there, but I couldn't, there was no bridge. There was no way of me crossing that river. And I never even thought about contemplating it. And so that showed, how did that show up for me? It showed up that I was in a long-term relationship with somebody who we were making massive long-term plans for. And, um, but we never had the kids conversation. So, and then I fell pregnant accidentally six years in and I was like, he might not want kids. Like, what, what, I'm going to be a single man. What's going to happen? He's going to leave me. I had all of those feelings. So we literally had never had the conversation. Mm -hmm. And that was because I never initiated that conversation. So it was never something that I really wanted to talk about. And yeah. it, I, I didn't realise that there was something going on here that was feeding that. That was a fear showing up for me. And so I got pregnant by accident. And when I found out, and I did the pregnancy result, it was just, I just felt like I'd just been kicked in the stomach. I just, mm. it was a moment of, real darkness like he took a photo of me at that moment then like i just came back with the pregnancy thing and the look on my face i share mm. that with other people and like, i explain my story and it, it looks like thunder it just looks mm. like and it was a very dark um i can't imagine i can't describe it as just incredibly dark and heavy pit in the stomach and just couldn't really see a way forward and i didn't know when my last period was because i'd been traveling around asia so my doctor <laughs> they were like well when when is your last period date we need to give you a due date and i was like i don't know i don't know so they were bringing me in to have scans to try and figure out what my due date might be mm. and so it was in those early weeks that um, we went into the neonatal unit and then we found out that we had a miscarriage at like seven or eight weeks Mm -hmm. So I'd only been pregnant for, known that I was pregnant for like three or four weeks, really. And the first thing I felt was huge relief. And then that just, I spun out at that point emotionally because it was, I was starting to get to grips with pregnancy and trying to like, okay, this is, this is, this is, this is it now. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly I'm faced with loss and miscarriage, but then trying to figure out why mm -hmm. I was relieved. How is it possible that a woman is experiencing relief? At a miscarriage this didn't make any sense to me and I was like well I must be really messed up like this must be some serious head trash and I was a head trash coach a mindset coach at the time so this was really messing with me on a kind of well I don't walk my talk because I'm a complete mess and I'm full of like all these feelings and mm -hmm. how can I be a mindset coach mm -hmm. to help people overcome their stuff you know when I can't even, I'm in this mess and, and how am I now experiencing relief at a miscarriage? There was just so much mm. that was going on in my head at the time. And also I had not long lost my mum very suddenly to cancer. So I was also still handling grief mm -hmm. that was, that's always going to be very challenging, especially I think when you lose your mother early. And yeah. then the prospect of motherhood, it brings a lot of that up again. So mm. I was kind of in this very, as you can imagine, quite a dark place with all of this going on. And so I, I decided that 
what I really needed to do was try and get to the bottom of why I was experiencing relief at a miscarriage, what was going on. And I recognised that I was suffering with a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, grief. I was, I was a mess, really. I was a total mess. And so I decided that I was just going to start working on me. And I'd not long developed this technique for clearing head trash that I was using with clients. And so I started really applying that to myself to really tackle my own anxiety, mm-hmm. tackle my own stress, and really just deal with all of my own stuff that was going on. That, that, and I was searching, I was trying to figure out why, you know, and, and the answer's never gonna be there plainly written. You kind of just gotta go out searching for it and, and try and figure out what's going on. And of course, because I was no longer pregnant, I didn't have the, the pregnancy birth triggers that were in play anymore. I was just wrestling with my own mental health at that mm-hmm. point um so i think i was basically clearing my head trash like an absolute demon for mm-hmm. months and exactly a year later i found out i was pregnant again so really almost to the day mm-hmm. um and so this time i didn't experience that dread i didn't experience the all of the awfulness that i had the first time around i was excited and i was like oh this is so this is progress i have made progress this mm-hmm. is the work i've been doing over the last year this is really this is really served me well yeah but i was still deeply deeply terrified of birth the whole idea of childbirth was just mm-hmm. couldn't handle it so i i immediately decided that there's no way i was going to be able to go through this experience consciously i was going to have to be knocked out with all the drugs on the, on the planet and it's going to be a c section and and then I, I think I found out at some point that you can't actually be knocked out cold for birth. You actually have to be awake. And I was kind of really disappointed at that. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I kind of went into my pregnancy with wanting a C-section and being really, really terrified when, mm-hmm. that, when that came around. And I think I was on my, um, doing some therapeutic training. So as a mindset coach, I really wanted to learn more about um, how the mind works and use that with my clients. So I was on another, another training like that. And someone said, we were talking about fear and and doing some fear clearance as part of the practical work. So I was just telling everybody my fears because it was part of the, the group session, you know, and I was surrounded by other kind of therapists. So it's all very kind environment and very supportive. Mm-hmm. And I think I was very lucky to be in an environment like that because I was almost being invited to share my fears. Mm-hmm. And I don't think women do get an environment where they're invited to share their fears in such mm-hmm. a way. And, and so lots of support, but also somebody said to me, hey, you know, you should try hypnobirth. That would really help you. Mm-hmm. Um, I now know that hypnobirthing doesn't help people like that, but it was a really good place to start my journey. And it really educated me about birth, about fear. And what I learned, which was a big aha moment for me at that moment, was the, the link between fear and pain in birth and how fear creates pain. And I remember thinking, well, I've just been clearing some fears. And one of my biggest fears is a fear of pain. So if I clear all my fears, then it won't hurt. And then I won't be scared because it will be fine. Mm-hmm. so I was like I'm going to go with that I'm going to go with that and I'm just going to start clearing all my fears so I just basically treated it like this huge more another to-do list in my things to do and I just mm-hmm. wrote out all my fears and there were a lot mm-hmm. I think I probably had 30 to 40 fears on my list when I looked at them all and mm-hmm. um, and so I spent my second trimester just clearing again like an absolute demon <laughs> clearing all my mm-hmm. fears and by month seven I switch my home my, my my birth plan from a c-section to a home birth wow <laughs> and uh, and I ended up having an amazing pain-free eight-hour home birth that was just the most incredible experience my um, gosh so yeah so that was my journey from you know complete mess and totally fearful to really kind of my midwife she rem- I saw her five years later in a shop and she 
starts telling me about my birth and I was like, I'm telling her, who the hell are you? Like, who are you? Like, mm-hmm. and I realized she was a midwife when she was about my birth. And I was like, how do you remember my birth? Yeah. Like five years later, how you, yeah. you recognize me? She says, no, it really, really stood out to me. You were like an Amazonian woman birthing. Yeah. And it's like, wow, that was kind of, um, yeah. So, so yeah, I totally nailed my birth. and I totally got over my fears to have a fearless birth. And so mm-hmm. I didn't really think anything of it at the time. And I didn't realize that a lot of women had fear because I thought I was a complete, like it, I was just a crazy person in this, in this story. Everybody else looked really happy that they were pregnant. Mm-hmm. I've never heard anybody else share fears like that. Mm-hmm. Generally it's people are delighted. They're happy to be pregnant. They're enjoying their pregnancy. Mm-hmm. They're getting excited about the birth. It's all very positive, or at least mm-hmm. that was my exposure to it. Mm-hmm. And so it's when baby number two came around that I had to kind of deal with new fears and I tested my stuff because are these fears going to come back? Like mm-hmm. once I've cleared it once, is it going to, is it, am I going to get these again? And mm-hmm. no, but I knew fears this time. I totally knew I was an older mother. And so I had to clear them again and it worked again. Mm-hmm. And I refined my technique. I was like, oh, this is working. I worked it on my baby's fears. I realized mm-hmm. my baby had fears in utero. Mm-hmm. So I had lots of fear-based conversations with consultants mm-hmm. about my age, my placenta dying and mm-hmm. how I could have a stillbirth. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, my baby's hearing all this. And so I realized my baby mm-hmm. was so I cleared her fears in utero mm-hmm. so I you know I really kind of refined my method in my second pregnancy mm. and then I started getting lots of emails when I was breastfeeding my newborn she's like two weeks old from women I'd never met or heard of or I don't know how they found out and they're like well how did you do that I've heard about your birth and I've heard mm-hmm. that you went you've had two amazing births and you were really terrified how did you do that mm-hmm. so I'm writing these long emails to them quite long so I've developed a technique and I had to talk about unpacking mm-hmm. fear you know these are quite mm-hmm. long emails and after the I don't know Oh, another email came in. I was like, this is ridiculous. So I get another one of these dumb emails and write a book. <laughs> and another one came in. I was like, okay, I'm going to write the book. So I started writing the book. It just mm. like came out. Three months, I had a 90 word, 90,000 word draft mm. of the book, Fearless Birthing. And I was like, okay, what have you done, Lex? You've got a book mm. on pregnancy. You coach men mm-hmm. on business. Like, mm. how's this going to work? Mm. And that's the beginning of the work that I mm. do now in birth. And it all came mm. as a result of the pregnancy experiences. Mm. Wow. So, that's how I got to do, yeah, so I launched the podcast. And were you ever kind of diagnosed with the fear of pregnancy? Like, tocophobia is obviously the um, medical diagnosis that women could seek. Was that ever, you know, thrown in your direction or did you just see yourself as someone who just had fear? I never, so no, it wasn't, I wasn't ever diagnosed because I, that, all, of the, all that fear I experienced was something that I didn't really share I didn't have any midwife appointments because I was still mm-hmm. to and fro at the neonatal unit just to get mm-hmm. a due date. Yeah. So there's never an opportunity to sit with a midwife mm-hmm. and get the question, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then I had lost the baby. So mm-hmm. then I never got that conversation. Right. Um, and then the second time around, I don't think I recall being asked around mm-hmm. that. And then I and but also I'm somebody that takes charge of my mental mm-hmm. health right. because of the work that I was doing. Mm-hmm. So I, I was on it I was dealing with it and mm-hmm. um, I don't recall being asked that so no I wasn't diagnosed mm-hmm. yeah and, um, and I didn't really learn about the word itself tocophobia until mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. my baby was born and mm-hmm. I was met a journalist who had it who was and, we mm-hmm. an article. Mm-hmm. and I was like well that's what I had and the more I read about it I realized oh my goodness that's exactly what I was feeling mm-hmm. some of the feelings that you typical things that someone with tocophobia would feel would be they don't like the sight of a pregnant bump the, the thought of baby moving inside mm-hmm. them, um, seeing a woman stroking her bump, um, mm-hmm. you know, like I couldn't 
look at my sister-in-law was six months ahead of me in her pregnancy and I remember sitting with her she's stroking her bum really caressing it in a loving way and I remember thinking oh my god that makes me feel so nauseous mm -hmm. so I think yeah. it's just so um empowering that you know you you've told that story of how you kind of went into I gotta fix myself mode to be able then to have that um, empowering birth at home I mean what a place to move from from being so scared and feeling the relief and not understanding that to then having this I mean it sounds like picture perfect in my head I have a picture of you having this baby and I mean I, I don't even know if you could put that into words I mean that's like your dream come true for you it wasn't anyway. a, it was an incredible birth but it was it was hard because mm. birth is hard work you know mm. I had moments when I was like I don't know if I could do this you know oh my god this is I'm digging really deep here I don't know mm. how much deeper I can dig I'm at the end of my tether I'm you know I really was pushed to my limits but I never in, I never felt that any of those experiences were painful they were strong they were powerful the contractions are really hard going and I was demanding that my partner was stroking my back and like you know really relieving providing that relief and I had a lot of fears that were coming up while I was in labor really um, and so I told the midwives if you see me doing this with my hands when, mm -hmm. when you do the fear clearance technique mm -hmm. you do something with your hands on your face I said if you see me doing that do not talk like leave me alone yeah. I'm doing something very yeah. important and so they would have observed me kind of every now and then going in. And I remember the, yeah. the big one that I will always remember that I cleared was when I was in, my baby was crowning. And, you know, I was, we'd already, earlier on in the, in the birth, they said that, oh, we need to bring some ambulance things. We might need to take you in. Mm -hmm. So they called the ambulance and there were two people sitting in the lounge, apparently. And she said, I was really amazed that, that when I said that to you, you didn't even bat an eyelid. You're just like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, whatever. And so most women at that point would kind of go into a real stress response at the worry of going into hospital. But she goes, it didn't even kind of, mm. there was no blip on your radar when mm. I mentioned that to you. Mm. Um, but when we were in, the baby was crowning, she, she said, look, baby's got to come out. Baby came out either like three times or something and kept plopping back in again. And she's mm. like, no, got to come out. If you don't come out, we're going in. We've got to go in. Um, and I remember thinking, there's no way I'm going in now. I've come mm. this far. You're not mm. taking me in. Because I just mm. knew in my mind where that would end. Mm. If, I decided if I accepted that as an outcome mm. and, and I went in at that point in between contractions to go what's going on what am I holding back here why mm. am I not why am I not fully releasing why am mm -hmm. I not fully letting go and I realized I had a fear of the pain of the ring of fire you know we've all read about mm -hmm. the ring of fire and, mm -hmm. and then I realized I had a fear of that mm -hmm. so in between contractions I went again inward and I mm -hmm. cleared that fear and then mm -hmm. out she flopped like she was mm -hmm. right out at that point mm -hmm. and so I was yeah constantly doing that fear clearance work throughout mm -hmm. the birth Mm. Um, and the fact that you can use this technique in between contractions and have it mm -hmm. very quickly to just get you what you need to get you through means mm -hmm. you can just back these fears away very quickly and easily. Mm. And I think that's really helped me to have that, that fearless experience mm. because for me, fearless is not having fear. It's about acknowledging your fear and overstepping it and going, okay. Mm -hmm. And then, mm -hmm. then using the power of your fear mm -hmm. and using its strength, not denying that they exist, not ignoring mm. that they're there eyeballing them and walking mm -hmm. towards them. So what is the fear pain tension cycle? So the fear tension pain cycle is something that's hmm. been around for a long time um, and so the idea is that when you're fearful you contract your muscles you tense up because you and, and you can relate to that very easily if you think about when you're watching a film that's got a scary bit you'll get you know your shoulders will tense your arms will tense you'll immediately tense your body mm -hmm. so if you imagine the largest muscle of your body that's in the middle of birth your body tenses up then suddenly everything gets tense and so mm -hmm. 
as baby's trying to push against that, it's just going to make that a very painful experience. Mm. And so as the pain kicks in, then then suddenly you're like, oh my goodness, this is hurting. And then mm-hmm. suddenly that then revert, that, that cycles back into your psychology mm-hmm. and it loops in. So then you're in this kind of cycle where, oh, it's painful, something's going to go wrong. Oh my goodness, this is scary. This is fearful anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so you're then in this loop. Mm-hmm. And so I think the important thing is, is A, not to get in that loop that can get triggered by fear in the first place or anxiety. And, and then, but if you are in that loop, you have to get out of it very quickly. It's like it's roundabout that you just mm-hmm. want to, you don't want to be on the roundabout. You want to get off it mm-hmm. as quickly as you can mm-hmm. so that you don't get stuck on it. And so I yeah. think it's important for those going through birth that they recognize if they landed on the roundabout and then mm-hmm. they know how to get off it mm-hmm. so they don't get stuck on it. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Absolutely. And the process, like the fearless birthing approach is, is it focused mostly on labor and birth or could people apply those techniques in the trimesters leading up to birth when they might recognize their fear is building. You know, you've described your fears to be yeah. kind of changing, but fear has the same impact. So does, can people use it throughout pregnancy too? They can use it throughout their lives. Like it's right. a technique um, outside of my birth work. Mm-hmm. I, it's called the head trash clearance method. I've also got a book called Clear Your Head Trash. So it's the same method. Mm-hmm. And fearless birthing is, is applying the head trash clearance method to birth specifically mm-hmm. so you can use it and a lot of the people i work with because i work a lot with women that have tocophobia and a lot mm-hmm. of women with tocophobia aren't pregnant because they can't contemplate actually mm-hmm. you know some of them are so fearful they mm-hmm. don't know if they want kids they don't know if they if it's their fear talking if they really don't want kids so absolutely you can use it anytime with anything in your life mm-hmm. uh, but in the context of birth the way that i use it or the way that i recommend that people use it so they really kind of understand what their fears are and around birth and pregnancy i think the really important thing to understand is that most birth and pregnancy fears have got nothing to do with birth mm-hmm. or pregnancy they really are as a result of conflicts internal conflicts and value conflicts that you have that are creating the environment for a fear to be able to take place so for example a really big one that I think I work on with everyone, and that's even outside of birth, is this fear of losing control mm-hmm. and this resistance to letting go because nobody likes to be out of control in any situation. And this is a fear that's not just a female birthing person fear. It's also, it's a human fear. We all have this fear of not wanting to be out of control. And yet the reality is that none of us are in any kind of control. It's all just an illusion anyway, but we like to feel like we're in control. And this, that's what we're working with, working with feelings. So when you have this, this resistance to not being in control, like you're trying to keep a grip on everything, you're trying to hold on to everything, you're trying to keep control of the situation. And this keeping control of the situation is what's causing a lot of problems because birth is not something you can control. Pregnancy is not something you can control. Life is not something you can control. COVID showed us we're not in control. So suddenly it's really triggering a lot of people and it's triggering the fear and the fear is fear of me losing control because then if I lose control, then what? How will I cope? Will I just fall to bits? I'm not strong enough. And so it then feeds a lot of beliefs. I'm not strong enough to cope with this. Do I have what it takes? What if I end up being a crying mess? What will they think of me? Will I recover? Does this mean an anxiety? It, it kind of it's the impact of losing control and what that means to that person that makes that a true fear for them. Mm-hmm. But it's not a birth fear. That's a fear that is applicable in any aspect of their lives. So, um, yeah, I encourage people to really think about what, what are those situations that really trigger them? Because also when we think about birth, it's not just, you know, a lot of people will run. I get, I get people to write out their fears because they've got to clear them. Right. And so a lot of people might write out things like hospital and complications and vaginal tearing and very birthy 
things that are kind of very you would expect to see on a list of birth fears mm-hmm. um but actually the things that are going to really cause problems for you in birth are if you get ignored in the birth space and you mm-hmm. your request you've made a request and the consultant is not listening and they've gone ahead to do something without your consent so mm. you've been ignored in that moment you've been mm. triggered there's been a lack of respect and you don't like being ignored you don't like you know, that, that gets you really wound up. Mm-hmm. And so now you're in a stress response because they've not treated you like a human being or they've not treated you with respect. That's your value respect that's been compromised that has brought up a stress response. That stress mm-hmm. response is going to affect the birthing body. Mm-hmm. That's got nothing to do with, with birth. That's just mm-hmm. to do with how you're treated. So I also encourage people to think about what, what is your potential to be triggered in that birthing moment mm-hmm. and work on your triggers when you're in birth you're not getting triggered mm-hmm. you're able to stay in a state that is free of stress free of anxiety and free of mm-hmm. fear because you've worked on the things that fear you you've worked on the things that cause your anxiety and you've worked on the stress triggers if you work on all of that then you're untouchable you're basically mm-hmm. untouchable in birth anything mm-hmm. could be happening and you're just mm-hmm. like whatever mm-hmm. whatever and you just bat it away mm-hmm. and that is true empowerment you don't you know you, you are you are the center of your power source. Mm. Nobody can touch you. Mm. You own that experience. Mm. That creates a very strong, powerful birth experience mm. that you will feed off mm. forever. You know, whenever yeah. I tap into my birth experiences, I get goosebumps every time I think about it. And it just, it feeds me. It gives me the strength mm. I need in every aspect mm. of, of life. So, um, yeah, I, I, and I, um, another focus of the fearless birthing approach is really to think about preparing mentally and emotionally for all the birth outcomes so don't just mm-hmm. prepare for your ideal birth but prepare mm. for your car crash birth like if it all went to helen handcart whatever the expression is um and it was emergency c-section you know how would you feel about how do you feel about c-sections mm-hmm. if that's your your worst case scenario mm-hmm. how would you feel about instrumental delivery how would you mm-hmm. feel about being in a hospital environment if you wanted a birth center really work on the emotional aspect of all of those things so that when you go to your birth, you know that it could go, anything could happen. It could, mm-hmm. it could all go crazy mm-hmm. and you're still going to be fine because mm-hmm. nothing can touch you. Mm-hmm. And when you prepare as thoroughly as that, mm-hmm. you can protect yourself from trauma, against postnatal depression. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a very powerful way to protect mm-hmm. your emotional being. Mm-hmm. So gaining the right education really is vitally important for these people, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think the, for those people with a lot of fear, the education bit is a real challenge for them. And I know that when I was pregnant, I couldn't look at, I wasn't reading any pregnancy books because I had a pregnancy book that had, you know, those classic ones week by week and your mm. baby's going the size of a, you know, a peach to a melon and all that kind of thing. And I, and I got to the page that had a, a diagram of a birth canal and I just could feel a panic attack rising. Mm. And I was like, I couldn't look at that and I had to close that book and I didn't again um so those with very very strong fear really struggle they can't educate because they get triggered by the material they get triggered by the the idea of it i had a i hired a video guy to do some videos for some of my online courses and which i know i'm just doing the intro and then he gets i don't know 10 minutes in he's like can we just stop a minute i'm not feeling very well and then he had to sit down and he nearly fainted he's like i can't handle you talking about birth it's really making me feel like i feel like i'm gonna be sick and I was like, this is not going to work well. Oh, wow. <laughs> How are you going to give me all my stuff? And I thought, wow, he has got tocophobia, you yeah. know? And, and really, my tocophobia was as a result of my own, the trauma I experienced of my own birth. So as a baby coming into the world, and a lot of the people I work with are traumatized by their own birth experience. And that is the root of their phobia, is wow. the trauma of their birth. So this, this is not just a, a female thing. It's, it's a human thing again. And, and now that we're finding, um, you know, that men give birth as well, 
this isn't this isn't a female issue. Everybody could have tocophobia. Everybody mm-hmm. could have a fear of birth. And I think some fathers to be might struggle to be in the birth space because of that, and therefore mm-hmm. they might not be available to support the woman who's giving birth mm-hmm. um, because of their own fears, and they might be projecting some of their fears mm-hmm. onto her. And she's very vulnerable as a pregnant woman, very energetically open and can pick up on fear and things like that. So I think it's important for us to understand that fear isn't just something that the birthing person's going to be experiencing, but actually everybody in that birth space could be dealing with their own birth trauma and having fear. And that's why for me, I really want to work with the professionals Mm -hmm. who are in that space too, because actually it's all very well teaching the woman how to manage her own stuff. Mm-hmm. But if she's dealing, dealing with that and surrounded by loads of people around her that are projecting their own fears onto her, mm-hmm. then it, that's going to be really hard for her to maintain. Mm-hmm. Whereas if... And I uh, think and that's, that's something that as professionals in birth, we all take responsibility for is that network around a woman. You know, it's, you can definitely advocate and educate and support a woman, whether you're a doula, an educator, a midwife, but what environment around her and how... Those people, you know, interact with you saying that you have anxiety, that you have a phobia, that your partner has a phobia. You know, we've got to make it just as normal a thing to talk about as how many weeks pregnant you are. You know, often in Australia, and I know the UK um, probably use the same screening questionnaires. That's my only personal experience. But they ask you how you're feeling from a sort of depression point of view. Um, You know, have you got... um, energy do you sleep well you know have you thought about harming yourself no one's actually asking women exactly what you said you didn't get the opportunity to discuss that very first time of being pregnant was well how do you feel about pregnancy like what does it mean to you and you just wonder Mm. what would happen if that was an everyday conversation that you know women were allowed to have well research tells us that up to 80 percent of women experience fear and anxiety around birth so the impact of asking that question, I think, would be a health system that would be overrun. <laughs> and they, they, it's, I think when you ask a question like that, you need to be prepared for what you, the answer. Mm. You can't ask a question and not have something ready for the answer. Yeah. And then what would be the response to that? You know, how can they support somebody mm. through that? Mm. And, you know, we know that those that have been identified with high levels of fear get kind of funneled into a separate care model, maybe the perinatal mm-hmm. um, healthcare team in the UK. Um, yeah. And so, and so then they're, they're surrounded by professionals that maybe have a little bit more experience and training around that. And we think that 80% of women have got a fear of birth and up to 35% have got tocophobia. And that's not just pregnant, that's, that's women. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are huge numbers. Why are we not hearing about fear and tocophobia discussed um, more openly anyway? But then it's about having a way of supporting mm people in that experience mm. and so my technique at the moment is being researched through the University of Nottingham and one thing that's come out of the research we're going to be publishing the results soon but one thing that these researchers come out and said is like it's proved it's showing what you know, a lot of the women that are going through the study are actually managing to deal with their anxiety and depression during the course of their pregnancy by using my online program so there's nobody no professional involved in that I'm literally showing them what they need to do and they're getting with that themselves mm. and able to deal with their own anxiety mm. and depression during pregnancy so not only those are big things to be resolving Mm -hmm. but they're able to do that in a very short period of time and so she's described it because it's powerfully efficient a lot more efficient than any other support that we've Mm -hmm. been aware of and so for me that makes it suddenly there's something there that can support we now we can ask the question and if they say yes Mm -hmm. there is a way that they can work Mm -hmm. through that Mm -hmm. that means we're not suddenly overcome with 
lack of resource in the system because there aren't enough people who are trained or there aren't enough we can't afford it because actually the cost of supporting somebody one-to-one like that mm. could be quite significant mm. when there's 80% of women experiencing it. So yeah. having another way of serving them, I think, so that's what my next kind of mission is, is mm. to bring that programme to mm. the front line where women can experience it mm. at the point of pregnancy so that mm. they can deal with whatever they're going through. Just, that's what you want, isn't it? It's just, it's what you want to make it just part of like you might get tested for gestational diabetes you know it, it becomes a routine part of care that then these people don't find oh I'll just not mention it because I don't want them to think that I won't be a good parent you know I could hear that would be a fear that they'd have you know you don't you want to get it right don't you you want to be good at being pregnant you want to be good at being in labor we all want to get that like yay you did great we don't want to be thinking that we've got these massive obstacles to overcome as well as everything else yeah. that labour brings, you know? Absolutely. And I think that there is that sense that if I do tell them how I really feel, then what are they going to lay? What are they going to write my notes? Mm. What does that mean? Am I, am I going to get, mm. does that mean I'm going to get social services on my door mm. when I'm, 100%. you know, and they don't want to, there's a lot of reasons mm. why they're going to keep quiet. And I also think there's a lot of, we're in a system um, that, that doesn't, that, that where women are silent, that don't use their voice, they don't speak up. Mm. And whether that's just within the birthing system or mm. more broadly within culture, mm-hmm. is that women are trying to be good, like you say. They are mm. trying to be nice. And it's, no, that's not working. Mm-hmm. We don't need to be nice. Who are we being mm-hmm. nice for? Mm-hmm. Let's say how we feel mm-hmm. and demand support mm-hmm. and say this is what we want. I think a lot of women struggle to say, mm-hmm. say how they feel and not always smile and say mm-hmm. the nice words. And then demand help. Demand it. Not ask for it. Demand it. Mm. That, when I work with women on this stuff, they're like, oh, I can't do that. Mm. And they, they get, mm. well, why can't you do that? Oh, they'll, they'll think I'm this. They'll think I'm that. And so, again, all these new fears mm. come in. They'll think I'm, you know, bossy. They'll think I'm whatever. Mm. Um, you get labelled. And this is the kind of stuff that's keeping people quiet. So I, I part of the work I do with them is, is get rid of all that so they can speak up and be noisy. Mm-hmm. And... Not noisy as in, you know, making noises in birth, but if they want to be noisy like that, they can. But just to mm-hmm. kind of say what they want and, and, and be okay with those uncomfortable silences. When I was mm-hmm. in my second pregnancy, I was going to be given birth over 40. So I was suddenly being faced with these ridiculous conversations with consultants about having to be induced at, 40, at 39 weeks. My placenta was dying. You know, all these, these kind of scary phrases were used. And... I was quite happy to say, well, can you show me the evidence for that? And then just sitting there and waiting through the uncomfortable silence, watching them squirm, <laughs> rather than just going, oh, all right, then, yeah, yeah, I'll just have my indu- induction. And I was like, I'm not having an induction. Mm-hmm. And just challenging them. And, and she actually said to me, my goodness, you don't have a lot of people like you. I was like, what? People that ask questions and that demand. Then she escalated me because mm-hmm. I was, she didn't like to deal with somebody like me. I was like, well, <laughs> that's your problem, not mine, honey. <laughs> and I don't think... Why is she not seeing more people like me? Mm. Why are not more people demanding to see the evidence before they get recommended a procedure? Yeah. And challenge it and throw mm. it back and just mm-hmm. say no. Mm-hmm. I managed Absolutely. to hold that birth to 42 plus 12. No, 42 plus 1. So 40 plus 12 days. And I was over 40. And they were like, <laughs> yeah, they were on my case all yeah. the time. Nope, nope, not happening. And I think the final induction date I had my baby arrived like three hours before the time I had to go to hospital right the last minute. <laughs> Thank you. And that's what really you hope ultimately people get out of being educated and building confidence in themselves and the process of 
physiological birth is that, you know, intervene when it's medically necessary. If mum and baby are well, and there's all the signs that point to things are progressing as you would expect, then just let nature take its course. But medically, yes, always intervene. If there's something not going to plan, mm. obviously reduce movements, blood pressure, all those things that indicate problems, we're all for intervention to keep mum and baby safe. But on the flip side, if you're well, let's not do things that don't need to be done because you know, women are meant to birth their babies. That's kind of what we're here for, isn't it, in life? Amongst other yeah. wonderful things. But that's our role, you know, traditionally in the evolutionary Quite sense. Yeah. 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 So yeah. does your your book, does it run alongside the online programme or is the programme in the book? Like if people wanted to find out about what your fearless birthing is all about, what, what would they do? They can read the book and a lot of people just get amazing results. Just I get people emailing me all the time how they've overcome tocophobia just by following the instructions of the book. Mm -hmm. So I think some people are great following book instructions. Mm -hmm. You know, those that are highly motivated, that believe they, you know, that they don't get confused. Yeah. Whereas some people, they, they, they have questions. They're like, well, what is this? And what is this? And why is it? Why am I doing this? And oh, well, I'm not sure. And lots of doubt. And, and that I call all that stuff head trash. And so, but also some people just need more information. They, they want to see... A demonstration they want to you know, they just want more so I go much deeper with the online course there's a lot of videos in there lots of downloads I've got fear clearance meditations that they can listen to um, because you can actually clear your fear just by listening to one of my fear clearance meditations which a lot of people uh, benefit so it means they don't have to learn the technique they don't have to do anything they just have to listen to the meditation mm -hmm. so it just enables them to kind of hit the ground I mean it is a meaty book so you know it might take a while to read um, so it might for some people they just prefer to to do something like that within a course. And then I offer, I've got a membership pro, uh, community as well where people can get support from me. There's a forum with other people who have, um, who are going through that, wrestling with their own fears, clearing fears, sharing their successes. Um, so they can kind of get support, get the community uh, that they, they need to go through that. And also because my work is pre-pregnancy and pregnancy and then post-pregnancy, because mm -hmm. you, know, you can use this to kind of make peace with your birth and to process your birth mm -hmm. and then to prepare for your next birth. Mm -hmm. And then to deal with motherhood and all the ways that motherhood is mm. pushing you and, you know, breastfeeding stress and frustration and anxiety can come as a result of trying and failing breastfeeding and then really, really trying hard again and not succeeding properly and then really sticking with it. That can bring up a lot, you know, the, the um, going to baby massage classes or something and then, then those, those judgments or criticisms you might hear from other mothers and how they make you feel and mm -hmm. um, not wanting to speak up or, you know, so the, mm. the whole journey of motherhood is fraught with, with, with um anxiety and stress you know it doesn't stop the minute you've given birth mm -hmm. so i want to be able to support people after the birth mm -hmm. and actually to go on and be fearless mothers mm -hmm. and women mm -hmm. so so that community really is there to support them the whole of that journey so mm -hmm. they've got other people around them that are kind of using this tool mm -hmm. um and getting success and sharing and, and i think there's a lot of lot to be said for i guess certainly when i run my group programs when there are women going, oh, I cleared this and I worked on this this week. And I'm, my God, I feel like, oh, this is amazing. And then someone else is going, I didn't realise I had that going on. I'm going to clear that. Brilliant. And they feel very motivated and mm -hmm. they want to. And it's almost getting people excited about clearing mm -hmm. their stuff. Mm -hmm. And within a very short period of time, you could be letting go of anxiety, sleeping better, you know, huge changes in your life because you've mm -hmm. let go of this emotional stuff that's been dogging you for years, you know. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, the online programme goes a lot deeper than I've got the membership community, the mm -hmm. Fearless Mamaship, I've called it. Um, which is where you can really plug in to support from me. We have monthly calls where we get together and just, you know, support each other and listen to what we're doing and clearing yeah. and dealing emotionally. So, um, yeah, there's lots of ways to access what I've, you know, 
the ways of working so that you can get the benefits in your life, not just for birth, but for motherhood. And I use this technique with my kids now. Mm -hmm. So I've got my daughter. We moved to France not long ago. They've got big spiders where we are, like really big spiders. <laughs> she was terrified of spiders when we got here and she was like, didn't want to sleep. She found a massive spider like in her bedroom. She's like, I'm going to sleep in the lounge. I'm not going up there. I was like, right, we're going to pay your fear of spiders. So like at, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night, we're doing a fear clearance in the lounge. And now she's like, that was it, gone. She's back in the bedroom. Didn't even care where the spider was at that point. Mm -hmm. And now whenever there's a spider, she's the one that is clearing all spiders out the house all the time. She just goes straight to it and she's dealing with them and whether it's a millipede or a spider mm -hmm. she's on the case wow and so she's using it she's mm -hmm. nine when she did that and she, mm -hmm. she's using her fear clearance all the time with what mm -hmm. she's dealing with mm -hmm. to a new country and learning yeah. a new language and everything. so it's not just you know mm -hmm. for birth this you can once you know it you can use it mm -hmm. in all aspects of mm -hmm. just when you were talking then it's reminded me of a woman's story that i read um just a day or two ago and she was talking about approaching a second um, labour and birth having had a traumatic first experience so it sounds like people who would identify with birth trauma could also benefit from your technique and your program yeah absolutely I think that the first thing I'd always say with birth trauma is always seek out somebody one-to-one -one for that kind of experience because mm -hmm. it's difficult to say how uh, big in inverted commas that trauma is or the impact of it but I also know through my own experiences and the way that I work with clients that traumas can be let go of incredibly quickly mm -hmm. some of the techniques I use one-to-one -one with my clients we can let go we can just cut the emotional cord to the trauma in less than five minutes it's incredibly powerful mm -hmm. um, and I also share ways of relief providing emotional relief from the trauma so really just getting rid of all of that emotional association that comes from that event so you kind of let go of all that emotion mm -hmm. so that it no longer is painful for you today mm -hmm. and to kind of almost retro rep, like work on your fears retrospectively all those complex retrospectively that really helps you to kind of process it and let it go mm -hmm. Because it just doesn't serve you to have these experiences that are kind of constantly pulling at your heartstrings in life. Mm -hmm. So it is just about, I always describe it using, you know, the, the cartoon up with a guy with all the mm -hmm. balloons. Mm -hmm. And all of your fears and conflicts and whatever, it's just like carrying all these balloons. And that's like a real drag, you know, walking through a doorway with all those balloons. It's just, you know, life just becomes difficult. Mm -hmm. And what we're doing is we're just cutting off. One by one, mm. we're just cutting each string, so the balloons disappear. And yeah, sometimes when we've worked on something, they can barely even remember the experience mm. because the thing that was implanting it in their reality today was the emotion around it. So once we mm. just let go of the emotion, they can think a bit about it, they can refer back to it. Mm -hmm. They know they had it, but they can't really connect they don't to feel it. don't feel it. Yeah. Mind very easily. Yeah. Um, and, and that's very, very powerful. So absolutely, those people that, in the online program, I go deep with that kind of mm. work that I wouldn't do it example the community is all on a website so there's loads of content in there so that okay. you get access get access to the clear head trash course which helps you to clear all your fears okay loads of interviews of you know midwives and doulas and loads of stuff in there about pregnancy tocophobia mm -hmm. mindset just stuff to really help you but essentially mm -hmm. it's about helping you to clear all your stuff so that's mm -hmm. available at fearlessmembership.com Mm -hmm. um and um and yeah and then there's fearless birthing fearless-birthing.com is where you can find out more about the online program mm -hmm. um i've got a birth prep classes course as well which is really helping on the practical side because a lot all my work is really around the emotional mm -hmm. and mental preparation i think there's a lot of people again like yourselves that do childbirth education mm -hmm. so i don't um my position is i'm not going to educate you on childbirth that's not my genius mm -hmm. that's not what i've you know i didn't learn about birth and i was mm -hmm. in my pregnancy i couldn't read about it because i was so mm -hmm. scared I was focused entirely on my mental and emotional mm -hmm. preparation. 
But I do believe that the birth planning process, getting to a place where you've got a really strong birth plan, that means you've thought everything through mm-hmm. and really planned it so that you feel so confident because it's a birth plan that you believe in. You've got mm-hmm. birth plan A, birth plan B, birth plan C. You've thought it through and it's thorough and that mm-hmm. gives you a real sense of control and confidence. Mm-hmm. So I have got a programme that helps people with their mm-hmm. birth planning process yeah. as well. So to really give them everything they need to have mm-hmm. that fearless experience. And it's... It's just so important because the brain is so central to how you navigate physiological birth. I mean, it's one of the light bulb moments in conversations I have. People say, oh, you know, your brain, what's your brain got to do with having a baby? They just focus on the tummy and, you know, the vagina and how you're going to get that baby out. And it's not till you delve in a little deeper and you explore the role of the brain and how those hormones can be triggered off and the good ones that you want versus the ones that you want less of, that people really start to think this is more than just physical preparation. There is mental preparation involved and, you know, exactly what you said, you know, if you're mentally and emotionally prepared, then you kind of can tackle any obstacle that's thrown at you, whether that's in late pregnancy or in labour or whether it's with your newborn, so... And I, I think, you know, I think the, the, the comparison to a marathon is used a lot. So I'm not going to use that one and it's very valid, but I, I would use the, the, the comparison to if you're planning to trek to Mount Everest base camp, for example, you know, you would do the planning, you'd find the right boots for the, the job, the right bag, the right tent, you know, make sure you had the right stuff to take you to that mm-hmm. altitude. But you'd also be, you know, doing some training, getting the physical training so you could cope with the walking and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. But there would also be all the mental stuff, you know, because you need to be able to deal with you know, if you did twist your ankle halfway up, if you were facing having to go back down again, you know, the, the mental aspect of seeing a mountain that's so high and I've got so all that to do and, you know, that, that, that all the mental side of that, you know, you wouldn't kind of just go, oh, I know what I'm going to do the weekend. I'm going to go to my Everest base camp next weekend. Do you fancy coming? You would never think about doing that without thinking about any level of planning. You wouldn't think about, oh, I might do a marathon next weekend. Do you fancy it? No, you plan for six months to get your body trained to get your mind trained mm-hmm. you, you know and, and all the gremlins that crop up when you're in the marathon is like oh my god I still got another so many laps oh my god you know all of that stuff mm-hmm. that's exactly the kind of stuff mm-hmm. that comes up to you while you're in labor mm-hmm. oh I'm only you know for the midwife if you've asked to tell people you know for dilation numbers I didn't ask for that because I, I know that the mind can be a terrible cruel thing oh, I'm only eight, three centimeters oh my goodness mm-hmm. what that means and mm-hmm. and everything so the same all that stuff is happening mm-hmm. and yet we wouldn't dream of not preparing for a marathon or preparing to go to, to base camp and yet you get a lot of women that don't take birth as seriously as mm-hmm. people are taking marathons mm-hmm. and treks seriously and they should they should mm-hmm. and I don't know why they don't mm-hmm. I think that's one of the eternal mysteries that I'm wrestling with why are we not why do we not value this experience why do we not invest in it and I think that's one of our challenges in this space whether we're working with women at any point in pregnancy, labour, birth or postpartum is to remind them of that, you know, that positive can be so many different things, but it's about you and what you are going to experience and how you're going to tackle that. And if you can put the women at the centre of the care, then, you know, you're doing your job right, I think. And um, so you've got the book, you've got the website that you mentioned, fearless-birthing.com. There's yep. also fearfreechildbirth.com. That's the one that I was loving to read. <laughs> yeah, that's where my podcast is. So that's there's a load of content on there. There's mm-hmm. lots of podcast episodes. Um, and the podcast has recently 
been invited to be part of UK Health Radio. So there's mm -hmm. episodes going out again now with UK Health Radio. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's lots of stuff for people around mm -hmm. tocophobia, around fear and mindset around pregnancy, mm -hmm. birth, motherhood, and mm -hmm. So there's lots there. For yeah. Um, this has been a total highlight for me. I've had the best time talking to you. Thanks for your time. I'm going to go away and get another cup of tea now before I get these kids to bed. Okay. But thanks for your time, Alexia. I really have enjoyed chatting to you. And uh, yeah, we'll keep in touch for sure. Okay, thank you, Leslie. Bye.